faith. What is it? Being sure of our hope. Convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain. And for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. But others were imprisoned, murdered, and wandered in deserts, mountains, and openings in the earth. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So get rid of every weight, of every sin, and run. Run with endurance the race set before us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the champion and guide of our faith. For promised joy, he endured the cross, thought nothing of its shame, and having risen again, has been handed his deserved glory at the right hand of the throne of God. By faith, by the faith God has given us, it's because of that faith that we're here today. Um, we are so glad you're here with us. Good morning, church. And uh, thank you for that. You, you, you guys sing really good. That, that, was, that was good singing. Good happy birthday song. Thank you for that. Um, so we, we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, and uh, uh, we apologize for the coldness in here. But we have a gas problem, a gas line. is giving us some trouble here. Uh, Don is already working on that. So hopefully it will get fixed soon. So now we, next week we might have uh, some heating over here. Uh, but we're working on that. Um, I just want to remind you guys, uh, parents, we are having a meeting today. We are having the first meeting that we're having with the new kids director, Judith Bindiola. She's going to be leading the kids uh, parents uh, meeting today so that way we can update you on what's going on in kids ministry. We can let you know also how you can help the Sunday school programs and the midweek programs with the, with the kids. How, how can you team up with us so we can work together with the same purpose for the purpose of helping your kids grow more in Christ. And um, I think we... Is Eric here today? Eric? Oh, Eric, there you are. You're the one with the phone there. I should have known that. Uh, Eric is here with us today. He's part of our fellowship. He's part of the, uh, he works with Tim with Momentum, and he's visiting us today because uh, this week we have our pastor's uh, 
uh, focus retreat. So pray for us. We will be meeting for three days, the group of pastors of Southern and Northern California. Uh, so we're going to have a blessed time. Well, welcome, welcome, Eric. Uh, it's, 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 uh, we're blessed to have you here today. But we also have Nathan here today. Nathan is the director, the president, the director of ASSIS. I don't know. We, 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 have a, we have a few titles for Nathan, but overall, he's our friend. And uh, Nathan is going gonna, is gonna to share the word with us today. He's going to talk about uh, faith this morning. And so we are glad that uh, Nathan can share here with us today. So let, let's welcome Nathan. Um, we're blessed to have you here today. So thank you, Nathan. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be here. Uh, Eric Miller is here? Is Eric? There you are, Eric. Okay, awesome. Eric, Eric is... Uh, Paul, you worked with Kim, so you guys know all about that with Momentum Ministry Partners, so that's awesome. Hey, I, I wanted to say thank you so much for letting me be here. It's been a while, uh, but you guys are well on your way in your, your process with, with your assist uh, project that you're working on. The team met yesterday with, with uh, Bart Blair, who's your team coach, and um, I'm sure you guys made lots of headway with the, with the, with the uh, vision team that's working on stuff, so I'm super excited. But even when I came back, it's been almost a year uh, since I've been here, and the building's cleaner. It is. It looks nicer. Everything's clean and nice, but it's cold in here. <laughs> I'm coming from Toronto. It's supposed to be warm. But <laughs> pretty crazy. Now, can I see the slides? Do I see them over there? Yes, no? When they come up? Well, I want to, with Assist Church Expansion, for the, some of you who don't know, our, our organization works within our fellowship of churches. We have 220 churches across the U.S. and Canada, and we work within our fellowship of churches to help plant new churches as well as to help revitalize and restart churches that are in challenge. And so it's our joy to be here. And maybe some of you don't know this, but Roy, Pastor Roy, is actually on our board. He's on the Assist board. So you guys should give Roy a big hand. If you have any problems with me, you just tell Roy, and since Roy's on the board, he can tell me what to do. So that's, that's how that works. I wanted to share with you just a couple of the projects that we're working on, and God has been blessed to give us some momentum with them. Uh, this is one in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. This church uh, was down to almost 15 folks, and they have just hired a brand new pastor to restart their church. And this guy's name is Andrew Vetri, and he's just started this like two months ago. So he's, he's brand new to this. The next guy we have on here is, is... There we go. This is in Colorado Springs. Did you know we have a church in Colorado Springs? I didn't actually know we had a church in Colorado Springs, Roy, until like three years ago. Yeah, and so I went to visit it with, with Pastor Bart. We've been working with them. And they've agreed to do a restart. They're down to 17 folks. But they have a, a facility. It's in a great location. Uh, and... This is a new, pa- new pastor has just been installed there this past month. Don and Marta Patton are there. So they're just getting started in their ministry and trying to restart the church in Colorado Springs. Another update I wanted to give you real quick. Maybe? Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to switch back and forth, so I apologize. Do I need a point better? I don't know. On the side. Oh. No lights are coming in. Oh, there it goes. Look at that. Bam. All right. Now we know what we're doing. 
So our church, our church in Rosemont, um, West Virginia, excuse me, at the Rosemont Church in Martinsburg, West Virginia, was was down to about 25 folks. We've been working with them for the last three years, and they just relaunched this fall. And they relaunched with a brand new name. They're calling themselves the Bridge Church, and this is kind of the leadership team of the church and their kids. And uh, they, they launched with over 120 folks this fall, so we're really excited about what God's doing. Lots of young families. They have a youth group of almost 35 kids, and so God's really blessing them, and we're thankful for that. This is the Well Church, the church at the Well. This is Dane Carraway and his wife, Anna. Uh, they have been there for four years trying to plant a church in Baltimore, in Towson. And they moved, they moved to Towson the very same day that all the restrictions came for COVID. And I think I told you this story once before, but they just moved there, and the very next day, they can't see anybody, they can't talk to anybody, they can't have anybody in their home, they can't have any meetings, they can't do anything. So for about almost two years, they could do very, very little. They've been working to build their core team, and they are actually launching their first public service this next Sunday on the 29th. And so, uh, yeah, very excited. You can pray for them. Uh, and you can you clap for that, too. We've got a new church getting started in Towson, Maryland. That's just northwest of Baltimore. And I'm actually flying from here to there, and I'll be there at their launch service. So I'm super excited about the progress and the ministry that they're doing in Baltimore. So if you can, pray for our fellowship. Our fellowship needs lots of prayer. Your church needs prayer. My church needs prayer. We all need prayer, and we're in it together. God is doing some pretty amazing things across our family. He's starting new churches. Churches are being revitalized and restarted. And God is blessing. But we need to pray for each other. So we should do that. Uh, Today we're we're continuing on the conversation about faith. And I look forward to the conversation we're going to have today as this is kind of the key component to our life with the Lord. It's about our faith. I had a chance to listen to your message last week, Roy, on, on this uh, topic. And I was really encouraged and challenged by Jonathan's story to go out and try to see what we can do and what's keeping us from taking on and tackling things that maybe we thought we could never do. And as we think about faith, faith is one of those things that's kind of ambiguous in lots of ways, but yet there's lots of scripture on it. So we want to talk about that and get after it. My goal today is that you can walk away from this conversation that we have together this morning with confidence that you're acting in faith. How can I have confidence that I'm acting in faith? That's the goal today. Let's pray before we get started. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about your word and to talk about how we interact with you and and our relationship with you together. I pray that you'd use your word today to speak to us, to encourage us, to motivate us, and to challenge us to align ourselves with how we should be thinking and acting ways that please and honor you. So we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I'm going to pretend this works. I'm going to keep pretending. <laughs> oh, turn to... See, I need, I need help. As you can tell, I'm not... I'm technically challenged. Look at this. Wow. All right. Okay. Let's back this up. Man, I am going too fast. I don't even know what I'm doing here anymore. All right. Okay, we'll get it figured out. So in Hebrews chapter 11, I really love the reading that was done here on Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, But in verse 1 and 6, it says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And in verse 6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Faith is required by God. Faith is required by God. So it's important for us to know what faith is because it says here, without faith it's impossible to what? To please God. So we cannot please God unless we have faith. So faith we've got to be figuring out because without, without faith we can't please God. It's required by Him. In Romans chapter 1 it says, I am not ashamed, in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes and to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness... Righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is quoted from Habakkuk. It's also repeated in a number of the books of Paul in the, in the Pauline epistles. He makes this statement, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. So faith is also commanded by God. So it's required by God and it's commanded by God. So we better get our heads around faith. Because we can't please Him without it. And He's commanded us to do it. And so faith is something that we have to get our heads around. And there's been lots of great conversations about faith over the last three weeks. In Romans chapter 14, verses 22 to 23, it says this, The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Now this conversation in Romans chapter 14 is talking about how do we interact with other believers about disputable matters. And so when you've come to a conviction about something... That's between you and God. It's not clear in Scripture. Keep it to yourself. That's basically what he's saying. Don't judge other people based upon your own conscience before God. That's what basically Romans 14 is talking about. And we should probably remember that as we think about our interaction with other believers. But he says, Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. He's talking about foods. Can you, can you eat foods sacrifice to idols or not. It's up to you. And he has to do with this, this whole issue of faith. He says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is what? Wow. <laughs> so faith is expected of us. Faith is commanded to us. And if we don't do it, we don't act in faith, we're sinning. Whatever is not done in faith is sin. Woo! We better get our hands all over all over faith here. If we do not act in faith, you are sinning. That's what it says here in this passage. In Proverbs chapter nine, verse ten, it says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is insight." The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is insight. It's interesting. This whole concept of the fear of the Lord. I think the fear of the Lord and faith are intricately connected. They're intricately connected. I don't think you can have faith without the fear of the Lord. And I don't think you can have the fear of the Lord without faith. I think they're, they're, they're intricately connected. And what does it mean, the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Lots of people think fear here is the idea that you're terrified by Him. And there is some concept of that here. But the idea of fear actually here is the idea of being in awe. Totally in awe overwhelmed by his magnitude and his amazing awesomeness. That the creator God, the, the maker of everything, the one who, who, who knows everything, who, who doesn't exist in time, this one, this one we, we stand in awe of. 
And so this concept of being the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom is also, I think, intricately connected to faith. I think they're intricately connected. Fear of the Lord. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. When we think about... Maybe we don't. You got it? I'm sorry. We think about the, the, the concept of David, and you guys will all know the story of David and Goliath, and uh, this story of David and Goliath, when David is going to take on Goliath, what kind of image, what kind of vision, concept of God do you think that David had when he took on Goliath? What does David say? Do you remember what David says to Goliath? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'll let you go back and look it up and read it because it's pretty powerful. David is, is going to say something to him that he doesn't come in his own name. <laughs> what does he come? Who does he come in? He comes in the name of the Lord, right? That's what he's doing. And so this awesome concept of David that he has of God empowers him to act in a way that's completely, completely makes no sense. Like all of his friends, all of his family, and I don't even know why Saul let him do it. Here's this, this 16-year-old, probably 16-year-old kid, <laughs> shepherd boy, going to go out with a sling, taking on a nine-foot-tall giant with full armor, and a sword and spear and everything else. Like it's, it doesn't make any sense. It totally is without comprehension how David could step out onto that field and think he had any opportunity to take out the giant. What was driving David, what was moving David, what was giving confidence to David was not David. What do you think it was? It was his vision of God. And this guy had insulted his God and he was confident not in himself but that God was going to give him victory. His vision of God is what empowered him to take on the giant. It's really important. Your view, your view of God is directly proportionate to your faith. Your view of God is directly proportionate to your faith. You can tell me that you believe in an amazing, huge, powerful, almighty God who created everything, who knows everything, and who doesn't live in time. You can tell me that all day, but I'll watch your life and see if you believe it. See, your view of God is what is connecting you to what you will actually act out of. Do you believe that God can do anything? Do you believe that God is all-powerful? Do you believe that God wants you to do certain things? If you believe all those things, you would start to act in them. See, true faith produces the fruit of faith, which is action. Of course, James talks about this. He says, faith without what works is, is dead. But our works are directly proportionate to our faith. Right? Our view of God is directly proportionate to our faith. The bigger the view of God, the bigger that we see and understand who He is, and, and, and Pastor had talked about how we build our faith, and one of those things is reading God's Word and studying it and learning about it, and knowing more about God. The bigger our view of God is directly proportionate to your faith. We need to see God for who He really is. And oftentimes, we're locked into our own world and into our own situation and into our own circumstances, and we're so locked in that although we hear all the words that the Scripture says, we don't actually believe them. And our vision of God is really small. And because our vision of God is really small, 
our faith is what? Is really small. And so to expand our faith, we, we, we don't need to focus on ourselves or our circumstances or the things that we find ourselves. So we need to focus ourselves on God. Right? And as we start to learn more about Him and we start to understand Him more, as we start to think about who He is, we can start to grow our faith. It's directly proportionate to our vision of God. You see, to me, I think faith faith is our response to God and it is personal to Him. Faith is, is our response to God and it is personal to Him. See, He requires us to believe in Him. He says, without faith it's impossible to what? Please Him. This is a relational idea. This isn't just... Uh, you know, God isn't some inanimate object in the sky and there's, there's a binary thing where we do wrong, we get punished, we do right, we get blessed. That's not what's going down. God is a person. He exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He engages us as people. And He wants, to engage, wants us to engage Him as a person. And faith is our response to Him. Faith is the way that we respond. Now, we can't know God by ourselves, can we? God is other than us, right? He lives outside of our existence. He is not physical like we are physical. He is spiritual, supernatural. We're, we live in the natural world. So we can kind of get some clues about God through the creation and through things that we see. But the way that we actually know God, really know God, is that we hear from Him who He is, right? So we read His Word. His faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So as we read the Word of God, we learn about God because God is revealing Himself to us. So the way that we build our faith and learn about God is we have to read His Word to learn about Him. But when we start to learn about Him, we start to understand Him, our response to Him is what He's looking for. God is looking for us to respond to His person. He's looking for us to respond to His person. Now, when my wife buys a new outfit... You know what she does? She gets dressed up in it, and what does she want me to do? She wants me to respond to her person, right? Doesn't she? Right? And how I respond (laughs) is going to affect a lot of things, right? It's interesting. God, I learn so much about God through my wife. I do. Because God made us, and we both reflect His image. And He is looking for us to respond to Him. He wants us to stop looking at our phone, and looking at the TV, and watching the sports game, and He wants us to look at Him. And when we look at Him, He wants us to be so amazed, and so overwhelmed, and so caught up with awe, that we stop what we're doing, and we respond in a way that reflects Him. That's in conjunction, it's parallel, it's equal to how awesome He is. That's how we respond to Him. The way that we live our lives is a reflection, it's an act of faith. It's a reflection of our response to the knowledge and our understanding and our view and our awe of God. And I can tell you how much you are inspired by and in awe of God by the way that you live your life, by the things you say, the things you do, the risks you take for Him. It's reflecting to everybody how much you really are in awe of Him. 
You see? So God made the female, and she's a little bit like him. <laughs> and she wants you to respond to her. God wants you to respond to him. And he is amazing. And he is awesome. And he is something else. And the more we reflect on him, the more we think about him, the more we meditate on him, the more we understand him, the more we listen to what he says about himself, the more we see him in action, the more we, the more we contemplate him, we should respond to the knowledge of God. And our response to the knowledge of God I can't know God unless He reveals Himself to me. can't do it. He's the one who reveals Himself to me. But He requires us to respond. And our response is faith. Faith is our response to God. So, why do I have number one here? I think I missed it. My pages. So, how do I know for sure that I'm acting in faith. How do I know for sure I'm acting in faith? Well, the first thing is, is I have to know Him. So I have to know God. I have to study His Word. I have to learn about Him. I have to study who He is. I have to get to know Him. And so as I start to know God, that's the first way, and the first way to prepare myself to act in faith. The second thing is I need, I need to focus on Him and not on my circumstances. And this is really difficult for us. Because in our humanity, we are always focused on our circumstances and on ourselves all the time. All the time. Right? We, we will tweak ourselves for a minute or two <laughs> to look up, usually in desperation. But, <laughs> but generally speaking, we find ourselves totally consumed with our circumstances. You guys know the story of Peter... Maybe you do. <laughs> Got it? So here's, here's Peter walking out on the water, right? And so Jesus calls Peter. He says, come out. Because Peter was in the boat and he saw Jesus walking on the water. He says, that's amazing. You're walking on the water. Lord, let me come to you. And Jesus says, okay, come on out. And what happened to Peter? He stepped out on the water, and he was doing pretty good. And then what did he do? He started looking at the water, looking at the waves, thinking about himself. He says, I can't do this. And what happened? So how did, how did Peter start to walk on the water? He had his face and eyes on Jesus. His focus was on him. And when he focused on Jesus, and his eyes were on him, he was no longer focused on his circumstances and on his situation and on himself. And most of us are so consumed with our situation and our circumstances that we cannot focus on God, or we haven't focused on God. And we limit ourselves by our own abilities and our own potentialities and our own past and the things that have always happened and the things we can't do and the things... Us, us, me, me, me. And we can't see ourselves ever getting past something or through something or accomplish anything because we know how much of a failure we are. And we're not acting in faith in God. We're acting in belief in ourselves, which doesn't leave us very far. So we're overwhelmed and we're consumed, we're frustrated and we're failing. And we, we're usually, most of us, are crippled 
by fear and we do not take action. Or we're in a, some kind of a pity party and say, woe is me, I'm a victim, the world is horrible, it's unfair. Right? And have you ever find yourself in those two spots? On a daily basis, this is me, right? Because I see the circumstances around me, the wind is whipping and the water is tumultuous and, I'm, and he wants me to walk on it. <laughs> like, I can't walk, I can't walk on water. And you know what, you can't. And you can't live the life God has for you. You can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. But who can do it? God can do it through you. And when you stop focusing on yourself and on your circumstances, when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, you're not going to have a problem. Because you're going to live your life out of a response and reflection of how great He is and how able He is not how incapable, incompetent you are and how awful the world is. Because the person who I am putting my trust in, the person who I am focusing on, made the world and made the universe. And if he tells me to come, guess what? I can come. Right? Because it's not about me. It's not about the stuff. It's all about him. See, faith is my response to God. How I view him. The view that I have of God is what's limiting my activity and my response to Him. I I think sometimes we think that God is limited to our situation and our circumstances and we put God in our box. But God doesn't live in our box. God lives outside of our box. Way, way, way outside of our box. And we we can't limit Him. We have to stop limiting Him. So the third thing we need to do... First thing is we need to know who God is. The second thing, we need to stop looking at our circumstances and ourselves. And the third thing we need to do is we need to know what God wants us to do in the world. What does God want to do in the world? What is God doing in the world? Let me ask you that question. What is it that God's doing in this world? Well, those of you who have been coming to church here for a long time have heard about Jesus and you know why he came, that he died and rose again, that those of us can be forgiven through him and find eternal life. But this world that we live in is cursed and it's broken and it's not what God intended. Sin has set everything wrong. And God is one day going to make everything right. And he's going to destroy this world. It's going to burn with fire. He's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. And that's where the future is lying. And everything that God is doing is culminating in a great new start, in a new heavens, in a new earth, in a new start. And our life today isn't about the things that we see because everything that we see in this world, guess what's going to happen to it? It's all going to burn. The only thing that God is really focused on in the world today is people who need Him and who He wants to be with Him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what He's up to. The agenda for God is the end game. And the end game is eternity with Him in a place that's perfect where there's no more death and no more sorrow and no more pain and no more tears forever and ever so the will of God, the direction of God, the plan of God is to that end. As you read the scripture and you know his plan, you can know what he wants to do in the world. Now there's more specific stuff that he may want to do with you. He's gifted you. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's put the Holy Spirit within you. He's taught you. He's given you opportunity. He's leading you by his spirit to do things. But I need to know what is God doing in the world. I need to know who he is. I need to stop looking at the circumstances and looking at myself 
I need to be focused on what he wants to do in the world. And when I have those three things together, I can start number four. I need to act to please him, knowing who he is and what he wants. So how do I know if I'm acting in faith? Well, if I know who he is, <laughs> I stop looking at my stuff and I'm focused on him, and I know what he wants to do, then I can act to please him, knowing who he is and what he wants. I want to flip the switch a little bit on you because sometimes we focus on the task of doing what God wants us to do, which we should be doing. But I want you to think about the relationship you're living with him. Because God made us to know him and to love him and to respect him. And when you act in faith, you are loving God. Because you are responding to what he's asked you to do based upon who he is with honor and dignity and respect and awe of him. And therefore you will act in faith. So our act of faith, our act of obedience shouldn't come out of just the fear of what he's not going to do to us, what he's going to do to us if we don't do it. It should come out of the reverence and awe of who he is when we reflect and contemplate him. Because we know that he is good. He know, we know that his will is best. We know that he has a plan for us. We know that he's doing something amazing in the world. And if he's asking me to do something for him, I'm your man. <laughs> I'm so in awe of him. I'm so humbled by him. I'm so taken back by him. I am not focused on myself. I'm not focused on my circumstances. I'm focused on him. And if he asks me to do it, what is my answer? Yeah. No problem. You see. It's a relationship thing. It's not just an action thing. It's not just a yes-no thing. It's I love God. I'm so in awe of him. I'm so enthralled with him. I want to please him. And when he asks me to do something, I can't say no. It's like when my wife asks me for stuff, you know. She's so cute. <laughs> it's really hard for me to say what. No, it's really hard. For me. And she knows it, too. It's not fair. It's not fair. But it's similar. Very similar. So I would say, <clears throat> make it personal, because it is an act of faith and love of God. Lastly, I would say this. How do I know and have confidence that what I'm doing pleases God? Excuse me, how, how do I know I'm acting in faith? I have this statement. I know I'm acting in faith when I have a strong confidence that what I'm doing pleases God. I know I'm acting in faith when I have a strong confidence that what I'm doing pleases God. Because it says in Romans that if whatever is not done in faith is what? Everything we do, everything we do needs to be done in what? Everything we do needs to be done in faith. So every time I'm doing something, I need to reflect on God and who He is, and I need to respond to His presence and His person in a way that pleases Him. In everything. Not some things, not the occasional thing, not the, not the thing we do every once in a while, but everything I do needs to please Him because I live in a daily, minute-by-minute relationship with who? And so when I'm living in awe of his presence and the knowledge of him and his person, that I can live in a way that's completely in faith because I'm acting in response to his person and his presence in my life. Let me pray before I go. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about faith. May you encourage 
each one that's here, and may you accomplish what you want to do through your word in each life. I pray for the church as they're working towards uh, a, a, a more effective ministry to reach more people for you, that you can keep the church unified, keep the leaders unified, help the people to continue to work together, and that you'd bring new people to come to know you personally. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.